I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be... We at the Pillars of Franchising team would like to express our gratitude to Feedspot for listing us as number one in their 2023 list of top 50 franchising podcasts that you should listen to. Thank you from everyone here at Pillars of Franchising. Okay, so... Uh, as an update, it's not the top 50, it's the best 50, and I couldn't find my normal hat, so you get the Viking hat. And given what we're talking about, McDonald's laying off a buttload of people, Viking seems yeah, to be... I, I'll tell you, in being close to Chicago, it's really disturbing, Um I'm not sure how I feel about giving everybody a hiatus before you drop the axe. I don't know if that's supposed to make everyone feel better. Like, how do you go and relax and unwind and enjoy your family the week before Easter, only to know or not know what your destiny is? Uh, I agree with you. I was actually, when I was walking into the office today, uh, I was talking to one of the other uh building occupants who actually work for Microsoft. And he actually let me know that he got hacked um, from one of the big layoffs with Microsoft. So when I look at all this stuff, there's a couple of questions that come to mind that I'll ask. One, um, where are we finding employees? I mean, is this going to take us down where no one wants to work? How do we keep, is the long-term employee a thing of the past, you know. Well, that's a great question. It's a really great question. The article I was reading about the whole McDonald's thing was that um, they uh, some are saying the issue with McDonald's is because of the hiring situations, because of the pandemic. What they did was overhire for a lot of those positions. Now, people that I know that have been with that company say there's literally a manager and a director and a VP and there's layers and layers and layers and layers at McDonald's. And so perhaps you have a little bit of that balancing with all of the different titles upon titles of people. And also, yeah, maybe with all of this um, staffing crisis that we've been having, they did overhire. And now that they were coming out of it, maybe, that's what the situation was. I also think it's interesting. Um, most of the people, well, actually all of them are, are coming out of their corporate office that they are laying off. Um, a lot of those jobs, not all, but a lot of them have to do with technology. And we, if you look at a lot of the tech giants on the West Coast, mm-hmm. um, those are also the kind of people who have been being laid off. And so you kind of scratch your head and go, hmm, okay, we've got kind of this convergence of all this AI stuff coming out. We've got all um, the down the rabbit hole stuff, Fred, that you used to talk about happening, right? And then we've also had this huge influx of young people who've gone to school for information technology 
and social media and marketing and all these different things. And so it makes me really curious, are, have we oversaturated those markets with talent only to be replaced by some of this technology? I don't know. And, you know, the specifics of McDonald's, I'll find out soon because a lot of those folks are my clients who will be without jobs. So when I look at it, this isn't the first time this has happened. This happened in the late 90s. I remember working for a consulting firm and and COBOL programmers were making 300 bucks an hour because of Y2K. And remote, you know, everyone could work remote. And we had the tech bust, which directly led into, in my head, the housing bust a couple of years later. And you brought up AI. Uh, There was an article I saw today that AI is saying, when the newest version of chat GPT is saying we can wipe out millions and millions of human jobs. And I keep sitting yeah. there thinking about where we've watched technology. You walk into a McDonald's now and there used to be a uh, dozens of people. Now it's yeah. order at the kiosk. Somebody will come up and maybe there's a person that walks up to the counter. So when I look at chat GPT right. saying we can wipe out millions and millions of jobs, I keep wondering who's going to have a job where they can go buy stuff so that, or services from the franchisees. So please. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting. Boy. And now what happens, we won't go down the political area, but what happens then if China takes Taiwan and then we can't get the parts that we need, all the chips that we need for all this technology. I mean, it's just like one, it's like the layers and layers of an onion. <laughs> it's like a whole bunch of people screwed up, stuck their heads in the sand for a long, long time, and now crap's coming home to roost. So on that horribly depressing. I, it is. Oh, my God. I want to say my heart goes out to all of you at McDonald's, and I hope you all, although I know it won't be all of you, I do hope you all get to keep your jobs. And uh, if you happen to be dismissed, I hope you land on your feet. And uh, all of us little people out here who are in franchising and these brands, we're pulling for you. And that, folks, is what you get a lot from a lot of politicians. So I'm going to say something useful. Go buy a freaking <laughs> franchise. Own a business so you can't get fired. Start your own thing. Be a Jerry and go and find financial freedom. Okay? That is Yeah, useful. fight for the little guy. Otherwise, all we're doing is hope and prayers, and I'm a full believer in prayer, but do something useful. Go out and start your own thing so they can't fire you. On that note now, let's go. go. Let's go. Well, hello. Welcome to Pillars of Franchising, and I'd like to welcome to the show today Keith Gallagher. Uh, Keith is my insurance agent, and he's agreed to come on the show. And after uh, Keith spent several years with Liberty Mutual, he made a move to more specialty underwriting company. And then after a couple of years with that company, he decided he had a strong enough understanding of the industry, and he would make a move to sales and the family business, Connor and Gallagher. The company was started by Tom uh, Connor and Dan Gallagher, Keith's father in 1997 and has grown from the two of them to the second largest independent insurance agency in Chicagoland area, 
over the last 25 years. He focuses his sale, focuses on sales and property of casualty insurance and, and leaning to the insights get garnered over the, his years as an underwriter. The agency has also expanded their services capability beyond strictly property and casualty insurance to include employee benefits, outsourced human, uh, human resources, payroll, retirement planning, personalized insurance, and personal wealth management. Welcome to the show, Keith. Thank you very much, Ray. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. We are excited to talk to you today. <laughs> it happens to be, as I mentioned before we went live, my renewal time. Perfect time for your chat. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like my favorite time and my worst time every year, right? It's like, yay, we're at an anniversary, woohoo! And then it's like, oh, I have to figure out how much insurance is going to cost. And why is it that insurance never goes down? <laughs> Uh, one of those things, unfortunately, you know, we're, we're looking uh, at the cost, particularly here. I know we were talking a little before the show about the Chicagoland area, some of the litigation that's happened, particularly uh, here across the nation as well. But some of those costs continue uh, the, the get tied up in the courts. And unfortunately, that's reflected sometimes here in uh, the insurance side of things. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Well, welcome to the show. We want to talk about you know, for all of you who are thinking about buying a franchise, those of you who have a franchise, um, and those of you who are franchisors out there, obviously we are all under the umbrella of needing, no pun intended, of needing insurance. Um, so I'd like to talk a little bit about what are kind of the most common types of insurance that folks need to have when they're in business as a franchise. Right. So, you know, typically when most businesses are getting started, you're going to think about your package business first. What falls under that is your property. That's if you're a building owner, you're going to have to have that building covered. If you've got contents in that building, whether it's just your office furniture and computers um, or, you know, anything beyond into some of your stock, things like that. You know, for, your, for instance, your Molly made stuff, that'd be your business personal property. I want to make sure you're covered for business income, business interruption insurance in the event you guys were to go down. Make sure you're able to continue to pay those bills uh, in the downtime before we're able to get you back up and running. Um, that's one piece of the package. Then it goes to the general liability side of things, and that's going to cover the third party if there were to be bodily injury or property damage caused um, by you to a third party that keeps you covered in that regard. Um, most businesses, if you have any owned autos, that's another big piece, and that price keeps going up and up and up, and a lot of that has to do with the litigation. Some of that has to do with what used to be a small fender bender that could get kind of pounded out by your local mechanic. Now it's got a camera that needs to be fixed or something of the like. And that those technology. Right. That technology. <laughs> yep, yep, that is. That's it, and it keeps uh, driving the price, unfortunately. Um, Workers' comp is another huge one, obviously. Um, we want to make sure we've got a safe workplace, but then in the event that something does happen to an employee, I know you guys look at a lot of your employees like family and want to make sure that they're taken care of appropriately. Um, that's a big one. And then, you know, you think, too, about whether or not you have an umbrella. And sometimes that might be required of you. Sometimes it just has to do with, you know, what helps you sleep easy at night um, and, and some risk tolerance things there. But those are some of the basics. And then, you know, for instance, there, there, there is benefit to having an insurance agent um, where we talk about some of those more specialty coverages. You know, Ray and I, as he said, I'm his agent. We were talking about cyber liability. Unfortunately, that's one of those things you hear about in the news a lot lately. Yeah. 
almost a matter of um, when you're going to get hacked and not if. And, and that's a real bummer to think about that there's bad actors, but that is a fact of the matter. Um, another one we hear about in the news very often that you know we're talking to our clients about is employment practices liability. That has to do with age, sex, race discrimination, things of that sort. So those are conversations you know you certainly would like to be having with your agent and um, things you need to be really considering as you're up and starting a business. And if, if you've got a renewal coming up like you do, Kristen, you want to kind of address are your limits appropriate and you know where do you take things you know up or lower and, and go from there. Okay. And then Ray, I think you you were talking with me earlier about um, when you're a franchisee, right, the franchisor kind of tells you what you have to have. Yeah, they do have minimums, and Keith and I have been round and around with Neighborly on that recently because every dot has to be right there and every T has to be crossed. And uh, they were very uh, anxious about it, multiple emails, <laughs> you know, going back and forth. And uh, one of the things that uh, Keith was helping, with, helping me with was the cyber insurance because uh, uh, the franchise uh, had recommended a particular uh, brand, and uh, it, was, it ended up being higher than what we, had, uh, you know, Keith found for us. So, mm -hmm. uh, and that's another point I want to make about having a good insurance agent. They're going to be looking out for you. In other words, uh, there, there are so many nuances about insurance. There's yeah. no way that uh, Kristen, you and I could understand every little thing. Sometimes mm. just the, the uh, placement of a comma and uh, wording of a particular thing will change the entire type of insurance that whether uh, it's going to be paid for or not. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. You have a lot. Well, yeah, and I think... And that's where a good agent is going to say, okay, let's let's put this comma here and let's just change this word a little bit so it means actually what's happening. Sure. Well, I think the good thing for people is not only are there great agents out here, you know, and Keith is one of them, and thank you for sharing your time with us today, um, but there are a lot of things that as a business owner, you can control. Right. And do we want to get into a few of those, Keith, about what are some of the things that a small business owner, particularly a franchisee, we know we have to have work comp. We know we have to have liability. But what are some things that you can think of right away that as these people are going, oh, my gosh, there's so much insurance, it's going to cost an arm and a leg. What kinds of things can we do to help control those costs? Right. So I think really what you want to sit down, like you're saying, it's that time of year for you and a lot of business owners, a lot of franchisees may think of insurance really only at that time of year when the renewal comes up or in the event of a loss. And, and part of the reason I went into underwriting prior to the sales side was what I'm selling is a promise to you. Like Ray said, making sure that you're covered when that need is, is there. And, you know, as far as when you're reviewing a policy and when you're coming up for renewal or if you're starting a new business, you want to start thinking about what is within your control. So you want to start thinking about, you know, if I'm in, you know, the Molly made industry, what, what might be a likely cause of loss? And, you know, for any of your listeners who are out there thinking about starting a franchise, I think they're already up to the, to, to, to a good start. They're anxious and eager learners. And so they're thinking about these things. I know you've talked in, in the past about, some of your KPIs, and, and these are other probably questions that are worth asking the mentors, people like you, is what are common losses that you see? If it's uh, if it's a Molly made again, you know, just as a reference, are you seeing a lot of slip and falls? Might there be, you know, 
cuts on the job? Might there be this or that? And, and then how can we control those? Things like providing your employees with proper protective equipment, things of that nature. And building a culture of safety really is uh, imperative. And, and letting your employees know that you care about their health and safety and, and that they care as well. So when they're seeing one of their coworkers who might be you know, per performing an unsafe practice, maybe they're, instead of uh, grabbing the, the step stool like you would hope they might, you know, they, they step on a chair and maybe their, their partner says, hey, you know, why don't we make sure that we're all looking out for each other here? Mm -hmm. And that helps the business certainly in the bottom line, but it, it keeps everyone safe and healthy so they go home to their families at the end of the day you know, in one piece, just like they showed up for work. So that's one. And then, you know, you think about things like as a franchisor, are you checking things like driver's records, you know, when you're hiring, if they're in a vehicle, are they a safe driver? And we right. want to just make note of, hey, guys, we want to make sure, I know uh, Ray is very good about, you know, kind of monitoring some of, you know, the driving and, and things like that with today's metrics. Again, I know we're talking technology, but those yes, things are available to you as a franchisor is, you know, are, are we keeping, you know, safe driving habits and, and those things will keep our employees safe, you know, as, as we go down the line there. You look sure. at vehicle maintenance records, making sure those are, you know, kept safe, that you're not skimping on an oil change and then somebody's got a breakdown on the side of the highway or, you know, if it is something where you think, maybe we should have uh, got those tires rotated, whatever the case right. may be. But, um, you know, those, those are a few little ones, but really what I think for somebody thinking about starting a franchise, leaning on the people who have been there before, seeing sure. what types, because really what we find in the insurance industry is prior losses are most indicative of future losses. And did you learn from that loss? We call it lessons learned, or right. you're gonna keep practicing some of those same bad habits that lead to those same similar losses. So, you know, really kind of trying to learn from past behavior, whether that's yours or somebody else in a similar industry is, is a key component. Yeah. Well, I know like for us, we even talk about, um, and again, it doesn't have to be a vacuum you're lifting, right? But any object that you're lifting, do you lift it from the very end where it's so heavy or from the vacuum perspective, we lift it from the very neck because suddenly it feels like three pounds lighter, right? Mm -hmm. and Absolutely. In any business that you're in, having weekly safety meetings, right, and making sure you record those so that there's a, an accountability that we did talk about this, you know that we're serious about safety. That's been a big deal. Um, and, and the other thing for people to think about is if someone is hurt on the job, how quickly can you get them back to work, not necessarily doing their own job, but just in general so you don't have missed days of work. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. So, you know, we call that return to work program or, or light duty, perhaps. And, you know, I think drawing back a little bit just to onboarding of a new employee and building that safety culture is, do you have your employee handbook? Has that been up to date? Most people do have a safety manual. And mm -hmm. again, are you keeping up on that? And, um, you know, something that, that, you know, we do here is we have like Ray mentioned, some other services, HR, where we're reviewing those, making sure we're in compliance, and then having something like a, a return to work program written so they're aware if I am injured on the job and I've got a 10-pound weight restriction so I can't do my day-to-day -day duties, what might I be able to do? And maybe that's, you know, back in the office and getting things prepped for the team getting ready to go out on the road. But not only does that help in keeping costs 
down for the loss overall against the franchisor, but what it does too is keeps them close to you and knowing that you care about them. So they're not, you know, kind of on the lost island of employees that are just getting paid some sort of uh, cap, you know, two thirds of a wage and sitting at home and they feel forgotten about or neglected. And you guys are there to say, hey, we do care. We like seeing you here every day and we're going to make something work. And having a return to work program is so important for keeping, again, not only those losses smaller for you as the franchisor, but for them as the employee to know, I have an employee that cares about me. Yeah, yeah, I think that's super important. Ray, what do you find being such a big help? Because you use, do you use GeoTab or what are you using on your cart? Oh, I've been doing that ever since the, I could. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. So we, we, we track everything. But, you know, even if you don't have GeoTab, a, a GPS tracking device, um, if you just look at the gas mileage that each car, <laughs> you know, and the people who have the worst gas mileage, which means they're racing up to the stop sign, slamming on the brakes, and slamming on the gas pedal, which means they're an erratic driver. Yeah. So they'll have the worst gas mileage. And that's just one indicator. Of course, the GPS tells me, actually, I can tell it, uh, how fast they accelerate, how fast they take a, a corner, and how, how fast they try to stop. So it, it, it is amazing what you can find out these days. So that, that is one thing. Uh, but one of, one of the things I think uh, you mentioned, Kristen, you want to talk to Keith about was the experience mod. Yeah. Why does it go on so fast and come off so slow? Yeah. Tell us about that. I mean, I've been really fortunate to keep a very low mod. Like I'm usually 0.8 or something, you know, low like that. Um, but I don't really know what goes into it and what that means. I think it means I get cheaper insurance, like I get a credit. Right, right. So that's uh, a kudos to you and, you know, the way you run your business and, and keeping a safe place for your employees. A point eight is about as low as you'll see. Sometimes you'll, you'll just mm -hmm. squeak under there a bit, but really, you know, again, kudos to you. And what that is, is it will be a retrospective look back on your three years, not including the current year of work comp losses. And they look at two things. They look at frequency of losses and they look at severity of losses. Now, typically frequency hits you a little bit harder because they're wondering, hey, we're having a lot of these small losses. Is there something we can do to stop these little ones from happening? Sure. Severity, they do cap you a little bit so you don't get, you know, unfortunately, again, there's some serious injuries that happen on the job, whether that's on the road or, you know, in the field, but um, they do cap those, so it doesn't take you too, too, too far in that wrong direction on that experience mod. But what a 1.0 experience mod would represent that you are perfectly average for your industry and your payroll. And so let's say you had $100,000, just to use a round number of work comp, and you have a 1.0 mod, you're going to pay $100,000 in work comp premium. Now, somebody like you, Kristen, with a 0.80 mod, you're going to pay $80,000 in, in comp premium for no other losses now an underwriter might like the fact that you've had less losses and they'll buy better credit so maybe you could even face less than that as far as your premium goes but somebody on the inverse maybe they've got a 1.20 mod they're 20 percent worse off from a loss standpoint on their workers comp than the industry average and they're paying 120,000. now well, what, I, what i say the work comp we make up for in car insurance 
<laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Illinois. <laughs> that's a hundred percent. That one's tough. So, but but that difference between a 1.2 mod and an 0.80 mod, I mean, we're talking $40,000 there. That's serious savings for a franchise or, you know, whether that means a new vehicle or another employee or something of the sort, keeping that mod low is something that you have, you know, to some extent in your control and something you should strive to keep below that one. Because again, underwriters are going to fight for your business then because you're an attractive risk to a carrier. So it's really important in that way. And in having things like those return to work programs we spoke about earlier, that's a big, big thing for these experience mods. When a, a work comp carrier sees that you have something like that in place, you're again, a much more attractive risk for somebody like them. So the experience mod is one of the trickiest or most confusing things for a lot of insurers. However, uh, with, with an agent in discussion about how do we keep either those frequency of losses or that severity of losses low, and so you can kind of beat that industry average, you put yourself mm -hmm. in such an advantageous position, whether that's bidding your jobs or just having that little bit of extra cash in your pocket, uh, it puts you in a much stronger position. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you because it's obviously, as, as you know, selfishly, it's my own time to renew. Um, but luckily, I, Ray invited you, so that was great because it worked out to my benefit and hopefully to the benefit of all of our listeners. Now, everybody who's out there thinking or about to renew is going to want to know how to get a hold of you. So can you share with everybody what's the best way to contact you? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, Fred does have my contact information. I believe hopefully he'll be able to share that at the end of yeah. the show. But, um, you know, visit our website. It's it's gocgo.com, Connor and Gallagher, one source. Um, you know, like I said, we offer a slew of other you know, services beyond just this property casualty, but please use this as a resource if it is just learning um, a bit more about it. Or again, I think your listeners, if, if they're listening to this podcast, I think they are the type that want to know more and, you know, I encourage them to please reach out and uh, I look forward to hearing from some of them. Awesome. We are all inquiring minds. We all want to know. <laughs> and thank, thank you so much. Thank you for being with us. It's been very informative. I very yes. much appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. And we will have all your information posted online. It'll be in the credits of the show. So if anybody needs the information, um, all of these podcasts, of course, are posted online. So you can always go back at a later date if this happens to not be your month of renewal. And you're like, who's that guy I listen to? They can go back and take a look and find you there. So Thanks thank so you very much. much. Good to see you. Hey, franchise owners, how is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence will get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westbine.com. 
That's 805-265-5440 or westvinewithaY.com. Hi, Laura. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm just enjoying our perkins so far. Yeah, I was almost going to call you Jerry. <laughs> and now and because the way I am also a successful person like Jerry, so you know I'm not sure exactly. You know, I mean we're not that similar looking. But not at all, not at all. But I happened to look at the thing and I was like, wait, wait, wait. And Jerry's over there laughing. I can see him behind the screen going, oh, she got stumped again. <laughs> but hey, let's talk about all of this insurance stuff because you know it makes me a little bit crazy. And this lovely state we live in makes me crazy. And so I'm always fired up when it comes to, like, insurance and coverage. What can you tell me about kind of the legal side of insurance coverage and why it's so important, especially, like, umbrellas and all that stuff? Yeah, I think those are really good questions. You know, because something like an umbrella, which if you're not familiar with that for folks who are listening, you know, what an umbrella does is it's really going to sit above whatever your other policies are, assuming that it's applicable to the other policies, won't sit over everything. Um, and, you know, those kind of policies and how you can kind of pair them or match them um, is really one of the cool things in the insurance world, right? Um, because, you know, why we all want insurance is because we're worried, right, that we might have a, a loss or a claim that's bigger um, right. than what it is. And, you know, specifically in our franchise world, right, where we, we all kind of relate to, you know, we're always worried about that with our customers, and we're worried about it, um, you know, with somebody getting in, right, with the cyber liability. Um, so, you know, there there is a lot of reason to have the insurance, even if it does, you know, produce a lot of headaches sometimes to, to get it right. Can you give me an example or let's say an example of where, let's say, for example, um, one of my girls were in a car accident, and unfortunately somebody was very seriously injured. How does, say, an umbrella policy help protect me and my family? Yeah. So in that situation, assuming that, you know, you have a business, you have a business auto, which is already covering the people who are driving, right? And Keith, feel free to chime in here because I'm sure you have thoughts, too. He's, like, already doing, he's, like, doing the answer. <laughs> me, me, me. Um, and so you start out with having, you know, you have to have coverage, obviously, that um, having automobile coverage for, you know, your girls, you know, the people mm -hmm. who are doing the cleaning, right? Um, and then, you know, you want to make sure that you have enough coverage to cover, um, you know, what if, you know, if you guys are at fault, you know, you want to start with, like, basic coverage. You have underinsured, you know, all these other layers, right? It's like a cake. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you get to the umbrella side of it, you know, that's really there to pick up, um, you know, anything that might be really, really bad, right? You know, if someone was paralyzed, you know, they have loss of future income, Right. Um, Keith, anything you want to chime in with about that? Sure. Yeah, I think um, particularly on the commercial side, right, you've typically got a million-dollar auto liability limit. Now, again, the way litigation's gone in today's day and age, that million might run out awfully quickly. Let's say there's yeah. a family involved, you know, as you mentioned, future losses, income, things of that nature. The umbrella sits over the top of your liability policy. So whether that's, you know, the auto liability or the general liability or, or even the employer's liability, but um, it's, it's again, a bit of a risk tolerance, you know, how, what makes you feel comfortable at night and, 
you sure. do have to have these conversations probably with your agent to see, you know, is another million over the top to give me two million total enough to make me feel comfortable? Or might sure. I want another five million umbrella to make that six or, or what have you? Um, start looking at maybe values of, of your business and the assets you want to protect from bankruptcy, perhaps, things of that nature. That's where you want to start thinking about your umbrella limits. Well, and then you have an umbrella that protects you privately, right? I mean, that was kind of the one thing. Right, that that's the next. Out. That's even the next layer, right? You're ahead of the game. So he, what we started with was okay, like business auto, and then business yeah. umbrella, and then where you went was, you know, okay, well, what happens if I get sued? Not only as my business, but I get sued personally, right? Right, because people and, who own businesses have to think of that. I mean, you you can feel it in the atmosphere. From something as a clean that went bad and everybody wants their money and then some for their time and they missed a day of work and they want. So you kind of, there's an environment out there that I think as a business owner kind of puts you on the defensive and you feel like you have to really protect yourself because you don't know what's going to happen next or who's coming after you. Right. And you don't know. Um, and you don't know what the claim is going to be. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, there's very creative you know, personal injury attorneys and other kinds of claims out there. Um, and that's not to say that people who actually are harmed don't deserve anything they do. Right. right? But it, it is something where, you know, we all have heard of um, folks that take advantage of knowing that someone has insurance and we yeah. have to be prepared for that. So, yeah, I would certainly recommend um, having, you know, all the kinds of insurance, a personal umbrella as well as a business umbrella, um, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a self, self-professed, self-claimed, self-admitted dork, right? I was one of the, like, 10 people in my year at law school who took insurance law, right? Um, and it, it's a fascinating area because it's all about coverage just and what's covered and what's this in there. I mean, I've heard, I know other attorneys who do, um, they, they do insurance coverage litigation, right? Which he probably knows what that means, but the rest of us don't. And that means that they literally are there fighting with people who are claiming that they're insured and the insurance company says, no, 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 we never said we'd cover that, um, about whether something is eligible even to be under the claim, Mm -hmm. right? So even if you think you had it, you know, I I can think of one example where, um, you know, there was a business owner, and this is why it's important to have a good agent, okay, someone who actually knows what they're selling, okay, because... This one is a little scary, right? They, there was a, a company that did um, kind of like excavation, like earth moving, okay? Like for what, before you would go and build a house. Right. And, you know, they were supposed to, as part of their services, you know, get the earth to be compacted in a certain way so that way there wouldn't be a lot of shifting, okay? Some shifting is natural, but not an excessive amount. Um, and, you know, eventually they did, they did have a claim, right? And, you know, they're responsible business owners, like you're describing, you know, so they immediately, you know, showed it to their carrier, said, you know, and they paid for this insurance for, I don't know, 10, 20 years. Um, and then they got into a coverage dispute. Um, and, it's, and eventually, yeah, it was found that they never had coverage, even though they had paid on this policy for 10 or 20 years. And this was their entire business. Right. Wow. This was like the one thing that really mattered. Yes, it mattered that they had workers comp and it mattered that they had other things, but like sure. ultimately this was the service that they provided and, and it wasn't coverage. Right. So it's really important um to you know, in that situation, that's another reason that you might want an umbrella, you know, yeah. it's like another backup. <laughs> um yeah. so oh. you just don't know. 
let's have one last one last point, and 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 this comes from Ray's discussion. Um, why do you think it is that you start to find the larger, and I may be speaking out of term, but I'll just say in our case, the larger a franchise or a franchise system becomes, the more complicated, um, demanding, inclusive of the insurance policy is required. Why is it so much more now than? Uh, there's probably two or three easy reasons for that. Um, one is that they're big enough that they can hire staff to actually police it. Uh, because at the early days, they aren't making enough money that they can hire someone whose whole job it is to bug you. Right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> right. Okay. So it's, it's like, you know, the IRS wants to have more tax collectors. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, we know what their job is going to be. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, there's no describing that. Um, but the, one of the other reasons is that um, as franchise systems get bigger, the franchisor will also find itself getting sued, even though they are not the operating business, okay? Because consumers don't really understand the franchise model. They don't understand that, you know, these are not the same, right? You know, the, right. the neighborly is not the same as, you know, your businesses or raised businesses. Um, and so they will sue at that level. Uh, and they will, you know, and, and the franchisor can typically get that dismissed, but one of the other uh, protections that they have is that they are usually required to be what's known as an additional insured on right. pretty much every policy almost that they can get. Okay. Yes. And that really gives them a lot of protection because now they have the same insurance essentially um, that you do. And it's not a huge additional cost. I mean, I, I typically hear, you know, and Keith or you can chime in and tell me I'm wrong, but it's usually like an extra 100, 200 per policy. Um, to add the additional insured. So, you know, again, it's it's a cost of doing business. Um, sure. You know, but I think that if they don't have, uh, you know, they don't have people there to police it and enforce it, yeah, they're not going to picket you about it. Um, yeah. And if they aren't getting sued, you know, they're not going to care as much because they don't see, they aren't feeling the risk. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, for all of you out there who are um, starting your business plans and your trying to figure out when break even is, this is one of those really good topics to validate because if you don't validate with someone who is in your state who has the same um, car insurance issues that you might have, who doesn't have the same uh, work comp issues, you know, Illinois and California surprisingly are very similar, but if you go to Iowa, that might be completely different. So when you're validating and you're trying to build this break even in this, this, um, this budget for yourself, make sure you validate, make sure you get the right information so you have proper input. Laura, thank you so much for all your help and the hard work you do for us here on the show. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again next week. Of course. Thank you. Good to be here. As usual, thank you for joining Pillars of Franchising. We appreciate every single one of you. Um, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Titus Center for Franchising at Palm Beach Atlantic University. You can find them on the college's website. Also, Franchise Show 247, which can be found at FranchiseShow247.com. And um, we couldn't do it without our sponsors, and we appreciate their support. Don't forget, we'd love to have call-in guests. Our number to call in is 323-580-5755. That is 323-580-5755. 
If you have questions for our guests or for any of our Million Dollar Mentors, we welcome you to call in at any time on the show. We will do our very best to answer your calls. Stay tuned. More coming up. Oh, hey, Laura. What's up? How are you again? I'm glad we're back. Oh, oh no. Feel, there we go. I was like, I had to take off my glasses. I thought it was in Groundhog Day. We were confused again. It was very annoying oh. again. That's fairly hilarious, Fred. Well done, my friend. Well done. I noticed Karen anxiously staring at the screen just like I was because we weren't entirely sure who was coming on. And then Laura came back on. So you threw a curveball to it. You know, the reality is it's all about keeping you guys engaged and on your toes so you don't take a nap. Right, Ray? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) With all this engaging conversation, nobody should be taking a nap anyhow. I mean, learning more about insurance if you're a business owner is critical. And certainly the legal side that Laura brings to us is something that we all time and money on. So this is like free advice. Although it did cause me a bit of uh, concern to hear her describe an insurance coverage class as fascinating. I mean, Uh I'm, I'm stretching my imagination a little bit, but but I suppose there are some people who really get into that stuff. You know, we have to find, we all find things that we all like, right? I'm, I am okay with being my nerdy self. It works out. You know oh, what? Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. We're all glad you do it, Laura. Thank you. I just had to give you a bit of a hard time on that. But so, Kristen, what are we going to talk about today? I have so much fun stuff that I can talk about. Oh, my gosh. So, Jerry, last week we talked about um, all the great work that you did down in Washington, D.C., how much fun you had and how exhausting it was. But the week before that, we started on our discussion about why franchisees um, should be joining IFA and what is really in it for them to become a part of IFA and some of the programs that you're working on, programs that you're working on to help get not only the engagement, but really the critical knowledge to franchise owners and how IFA can help? You know, um, there's, a, there's a long list of reasons that franchisees should get involved. Uh, the educational side of it is huge. You know, no matter how good your franchise or uh, might be, there are gaps in your knowledge as a business owner, as a franchisee, that uh, you can many times get filled through the education that IFA has to offer. Uh, yeah. we, we talk quite often of the connections. You know, I've got connections all over the country in different brands now. So if I run into, into an issue with my business, I've got lots of experts that I can reach out to. And that all is because of IFA. But, you know, one of the things that I really the reason I got involved to start with and is all related to uh, engaging my representatives in Washington, D.C. in conversations about franchising and small business overall um, And what you learn if you talk to them very long is there is, uh, out of all of our representatives and senators in Washington, D.C., there's probably like 5% that have ever run a business or had anything to do with running a business. And yet all of them are voting on and speaking out on issues that impact our businesses. So for, for me and you and many other people to go to D.C. and have some opportunities to sit down with our elected officials and uh, educate them, you know, really help them understand what goes on in our business. Right now, um, I was on a call this morning. Right now, they are taking a look at the uh, guidelines about the relationship between a franchisee and a franchisor. The FTC is looking at adjusting some of those rules. 
And, uh, you know, the relationship you have with your franchisor is critical. And oh, yeah. there are bad franchisors and there's bad franchisees. They don't yeah. always swim in the same pool. Sometimes the bad franchisees are for really good brands like yours and mine, but for whatever reason, you know, maybe they don't follow the system. Maybe they're struggling yeah. for some other reason. Uh, or if you're with a brand that is just not a great representative of the franchisor, that, that causes problems. And then those issues go to the capital. And then they start making, you know, new rules, new regulations uh, related to franchising based on what a minority has run into rather than the rest of us. So yeah. helping, helping them understand that, that it is a minority and that more regulation is not necessarily the answer and may actually hurt the franchise industry is, I think, critical. So that's why I do it. Yeah. Well, I think that's actually a really good point because, you know, I always say on the show, oh, I hate politics, I hate politics. But, you know, the, the honest truth is when you're in business, you have to at least understand some of these policies that they're putting forth because they do have a direct impact on how you run your business and, quite frankly, the bottom line is whether or not you make money. Well, <laughs> You know, yeah, there's an old saying that you may not have interest in politics, but politics has an interest in you. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really where we're at. So, yeah, you know, uh, if you become a member of IFA, uh, you automatically would become a member of the FAN, which is the Franchise Action Network. And if there's something going on in D.C. or in your state that impacts, um, you know, your business the or, or related businesses, other franchisees' businesses, because we kind of all hang together and help each other and protect each sure. other. Um, you would get an email through FAN, and they mm -hmm. would say, this is what's going on. They educate you. And then they say, uh, IFA, you know, because of whatever reasons has come down against this, or uh, we are trying to suggest that the Senate take a different look at this and maybe adjust it a little bit. Um, would you please contact your representative? If so, Here's the information to do it with. Literally, they give you a link. They give you a formatted letter that you can fill in and adjust and edit mm -hmm. and do whatever you want to that's already addressed. So they make it very simple to be engaged. Yep. Not everybody has to go to Washington, D.C. like I do a couple times a year and spend three or four days there talking to people. You can do it quite easily through this. So right. IFA is exceptionally valuable to a franchisee and a franchisor and the suppliers to that group because that gives us the opportunity to have a say in kind of what the guidelines are for our business. Excellent. Well, Jerry, again, I mean, I have to tell you, I, I really think for those who don't get involved and obviously listen, so you, you, maybe you're a smaller franchisee and you really can't take the time away from your business or your family or financially, you can't go to Vegas to this big shindig. Okay. That's not all required. Where else can people get information about the events and some of the training from IFA? Well, you know, go to IFA.com. That's the simplest thing to do. And it will open up a magical wonderland of information. I mean, really, um, yeah. you have almost unlimited limited educational opportunities. They will, you know, there are, uh, there are emails, there are uh, text, there's a variety of things that come out to you, uh, perhaps daily in some cases, if something's really hopping on yeah. the hill. Um, last week, uh, I got a little bit of a frantic email that uh, um, Arkansas was changing some, uh, talking about changing 
uh, the relationship between a franchisee and a franchisor, which was based on franchisors making bad decisions and franchisees pushing back. There was not a discussion between the two sides to mediate that. It simply was the franchisor came out and mandated something. The franchisees pushed back, which meant the franchisees inevitably called their state representatives, and it turned into a big deal. So we had to get involved, IFA. Uh, got involved, and they helped educate the uh, representatives in the state of Arkansas, and then mediated an agreement that would uh, be factored into the bill that they were putting in place that would take care of the issues that the franchisees had, but not necessarily, I'll just put it this way, screw up the relationship for every other franchisee and franchisor out there. And it was, you know, I literally reached out to Great Clips franchisees and told them what was going on. I sent them my thoughts on it and ask them to use one of the pre-formatted letters and send something to their representative. Uh, The franchisor, several franchisors, I think there was 40 or 50 franchisors that sent information. Mm -hmm. This is all generated by IFA. And by the way, when you're a franchisee, your membership is free. I think that's really important to know because again, there's so much information and, you know, Dre, I watched the, the full few hours, two and a half, three hours that you sat there. (laughs) <laughs> and it really was amazing how many people that serve in our government really just don't know. Um, but I was, I was kind of happy to see, I believe I counted three of the gentlemen there that actually owned franchises. And then the one gal, while I didn't necessarily agree with her thoughts, she was a lawyer for franchisors. Right. At one point. And so at least you've got some educated, I mean, four out of how many? Right. Very small slice of the pie, but to at least get involved and understand who the people are that represent you so you know how and or if they represent you and your state and what you're fighting for appropriately. So thank you so much for all the work you're doing for us. Obviously, to Matt Holler for leading the IFA right now. He's doing a great job. And there seems to be a lot of flurries of activity going on constantly. So thanks for keeping us up to date on all the happenings in D.C. and with the IFA. No problem. I'll have more in the future. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Jerry. Oh, hi, Karen. Hi, Ray. Hey, I've been thinking about our topic today, and uh, I wrote down some words, and I'm just going to say these words because I know that we'll, we'll, we could probably go an hour talking about this. It's such a, a fantastic uh, subject, and that's important to mention. And then I'm just going to throw these words out, out to you. So open, transparent, recognition, rewards, and open door policy. Now, we could spend probably the whole day talking about this stuff, but give me your thoughts on those. Oh, gosh. Okay. So, so got to slow it down a little bit. So, oh, so open and transparent. <laughs> <laughs> open and transparent. Um, absolutely. Um, you know, when we talk about, we talk about retention, right? We mm-hmm. talk about retaining employees. You know, how do we keep them? Um, that's a key piece where we want them to feel like they're really part of the culture, that mm-hmm. they're right, that they're 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 right. part they're part of something. And if we have that transparency, and if we have the open environment, the openness, they're going to feel like they're they're going to feel like they're part of it. That's right. That's part of the team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Of, and and that's the best way to keep people with, engaged with you is to let them know what's going on. There's no reason. Ninety percent of the things that uh, people keep a secret of. There's no need to, you know, it, it, it's, 
it works really well just to be keep people informed, keep your people informed, and that's part of having an open door policy. You know, one of, one of the things I always hated working for other people is, oh, I got to go see, uh, you know, the manager or the vice president or something, and I, I got to make an appointment, and I got to knock on the door. And, right. <laughs> you know, they're they're uh, closed up in there. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think a lot of a lot of um, franchisees will say, you know, business owners will say, well, I don't want to be that transparent because if I really tell the truth, then right, then 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 I might not be able to keep them. And, right. and and as we've talked before that people are going to fill in the blanks. They're going to fill it in. So it's always about where it's be, be truthful, be transparent. And if you have a strategy, if you can say, here's what's going on and here's what we're doing about it. And yeah. if they see you've got yeah. a plan and you have a strategy in place many times and, and how they can then play into that strategy as well. No matter what level the employee is, um, it's mm-hmm. important you know, for them to see that. You know, and, and not only that, if you're honest with the employee, they're going to be honest with you. I mean, it's it's not that difficult for an employee to say, yeah, I hurt myself on the job. Right. Okay. But in reality, they were they were out jitterbugging with somebody and twisted their ankle. Exactly. You know? So they're going to be more honest with you. Totally. Honest with them. So what's the second? What were the second the second words you said? The second. Oh, recognition, recognition, and I think that's a big thing. That's one of the biggest things they talk about. Is uh, and I'll give you an example of what we do in our office. So each one of our uh, teams has a space, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and above that space is a whiteboard. On that whiteboard, you know, we recognize their birthdays and anniversaries. But when a client calls in and says, you know what, uh, team number six did a fantastic job. We love our team. We write that on the board. Now, what happens is, of course, that team sees that on the board, but all the other teams, as they come in, they see that on the board. Right. So, so that is, uh, you know, public recognition. Now, of course, sometimes, you know, we have the opposite happen. <laughs> we don't put that on the board. We may see, exactly. see a manager, okay, and then we talk to them privately about what, what may have happened. Yeah, it's one of the things that, that um, in, in consulting with franchisees, consulting with business owners, it's one of the things I talk about. It's having a, you know, you mentioned like the, re- I, I call it recognition and appreciation because those really go do, they, they go hand in hand. And it's important to have, it sounds kind of silly, but it's important to have a strategy around it and say, what is my strategy as, as a business owner, as a franchisee? And making sure that also if people sometimes, they, they want, um, they want different things too. So putting the names on the board, that's part of it, right? I think mm-hmm. also it could be having lunch with mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. So there are different ways, and it's not a one size fits all. So it's understanding mm-hmm. really what motivates people, and 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 really playing that into the strategy. Because I think it's one of the things as we get busy, it's an easy thing to forget or think it's kind mm-hmm. of fluffy. Mm-hmm. When yep. when actually it's it's one of the key things. I mean, research shows. I was looking at a research study recently where uh, 41% of employees. Um, I, I guess I guess it's 41% of employees when they were surveyed that they'll stay based on that recognition, based on that appreciation. So having that culture, it's such an important part to, to retaining people. And, and part of that recognition is the reward part. Okay. So as an example, we have in our office uh, a reward called Martha Bucks, which was named after my, my, my deceased wife. And so every time they get a compliment or any positive thing, they earn Martha dollars. 
And with those Martha dollars, they, they can, uh, we, we go out and buy, you know, perfumes and things that ladies like. And uh, they're on display for them to purchase with their Martha bucks. <laughs> so they have a chance to be, uh, and the more compliments they get, the, uh, it becomes ex- exponential and they can earn more. So, right. uh, you know, and we have several rewards like that that allows the ladies to be recognized for what they do. Love it. All right, so were there any other words you had? And then I'll add a couple of mine to Open that. Open door, which we, we just kind of <laughs> briefly about, touched yes. on. And, uh, you know, that's basically keeping your door open. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. I think the ladies love to walk into my office and chit-chat for a few minutes. And I keep the door open. I can see everybody coming and going, you know, and they always say hi to me. And I always Great. say, you know, hi, hi back. That little bit of... Uh, Communications is very important that they know they can talk to me, right. you know, quite frankly, you know, about anything. So I'm going to add two more. So I'm going to add two more to your list. Okay. Okay. So one is, is, is we're hearing a lot about stress and like burnout. You I mean, know, what? Like Say it again. Stress and employee burnout. People talk about, you know, I'm burned out. I mean, how, I mean, we're burned out, you know, many times because of COVID and everything that's been happening and a lot, a lot of what's happened then is people are talking a lot about workload. You know, mm-hmm. I've got, I've got such a high workload, and so one of the things that it's really as a, as a franchisee taking a look at that and saying, okay, what can I do to help reduce that employee burnout? Right. And a lot of the burnout, it's interesting, comes with even some of the things that we've talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Things like yes. making sure that it is what's the workload, and it's not just saying, okay, we'll give you a couple of days off because when they come back. Mm-hmm. What is their workload still? It could be communication, right? It, it could be how we're handling stress. Mm-hmm. So it's really as a franchisee taking a look at all that, and it's not just, oh, let me just give them some extra time off, but mm-hmm. taking a look at really what contributes to that uh, to that burnout as well. So I think that's the key thing is people leave many times because it's oh, yeah. burnout. Yeah. You know, I, one of the things that happens sometimes in our offices is each one of our employees, of course, accumulate vacation time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they want to purchase that because they need a little extra money. And I try to discourage that because I know that they need the time off to relax. Right. And if they don't take it, it's going to hurt them probably more than it's hurting me. I mean, it's, it's actually to my advantage if they want to buy it because they're still working and they're still earning money. And I, but they do earn their, you know, they, we pay them for their vacation. So I kind of discourage it, although I understand that sometimes there's an absolute need to have to purchase some vacation time. Absolutely. Yeah. That's one of the things I, I insist on. People take at least like a, a week at a time vacation because I think that's where we can really get burned out. So Absolutely. The last one I hear a lot. I hear this a lot with retaining employees, and it's the key word of flexibility. Oh, yes. And that also can be a real hot button because we had, you know, we had COVID and a lot of people, their employees, they, they, they worked off site, right? They were virtual. Mm-hmm. And then as they're trying to bring people back, you know, and then employees are saying, well, I want flexibility. So I'm going to leave if I can't work off site. And then some of the, some of the franchisees are saying, well, no, I need to have you here. So kind of what does that look like? Because they think flexibility, it's just where you work. Yeah. Many times flexibility can be because many times you can't offer that. Right, you need people in the office. So yep. the word flexibility comes into how can we as franchisees be flexible in creativity, you know, you know, practice some creativity in 
Does somebody work different hours? Do you mm-hmm. have job sharing? So it's kind of thinking about it more open-minded, you know, being more open-minded about it and thinking about what that flexibility looks like versus I'm in the office or I'm not in the office. Yeah, many of our employees, uh, my employees, uh, uh, have children. And they need the time off because of parent uh, teacher conferences. They need to take them to the doctor. They get called from the school, you know. And we always will accommodate that, you know, because that's 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 an important part of their lives. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think you'd be surprised at the number of of organizations or companies don't allow that. And and, and yeah. it's small business owners. And franchisees, this is this could be a part of our secret sauce. Yeah. We can offer this, and, and we can really make it a competitive advantage. I like that secret sauce. Yeah, you like that? Yeah, because that's what we're doing, right? And we're in the war for talent, and we're competing against a lot of people. So, what are some key things we can do to, to get practice creativity so we can we can actually attract employees and we can retain them? Absolutely, Karen. It was a pleasure talking with you. You too. Always fun. Always fun to bring up new ideas. Yep. (laughs) So cute together. (laughs) Thank you all for joining us on the show today. And thank you to our our guest, Keith Gallagher with CGO One Source. As always, we appreciate Tillers of Franchising Mentors, Jerry Akers, Karen Kimsey Sword, Ray Tiller, and our franchise franchise lawyer, Laura Lift. Okay, so you think that's not a mouthful? Just try saying it. (laughs) And last but not least, a shout out of thanks to our producer, Fred McMurray. I am Kristen Shaughnessy, your fourth franchising mentor. And this has been another episode of Pillars of Franchising. Join us again next week at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. And remember, the dream starts here. Have a great Easter weekend.